Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 20th. Today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 163 and we're at the second full paragraph, we know of an AA member. Today's readers are Fran, Judy B, Michelle, Sharon, and Robin. The reference number for Tuesday, March 19th, is 4112. That's 4112. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rose to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. This is Rose, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us, and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening 
as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Rose. I will now ask Margaret to read the 12 Traditions, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret, compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 163. We're in the second full paragraph. And Fran, would you please read? Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Fran, Compulsive Overeater. We know what you were thinking. You were saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you have just now tapped into a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing 
what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. And um, the requirements for a higher power is that it's not me and that it's higher than me. And um, wherever two or more are gathered, there is my higher power. So um, it just takes two. And, and actually, yesterday we had a lot of snow, and people didn't show. There were just two of us at the meeting. And I tell you, we had such an awesome time with our higher power, uh, learning the principles of the program just with two people. So, um, you know, this thing about being jittery alone, that's about me, myself, and I. And that's why I have to depend on the higher power and the literature, if the big book in my hand, you know, and, and to work these principles in all my affairs. And it's not about me. So... Um, I thank you, and this is just awesome material, and it's a great vision, and I pass thanks. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone else like to read or share on this paragraph? Good morning, Christy. This is Lisa from South Jersey. Hi, Lisa. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, Good morning, Vision for You. I so concur with uh, Fran. Everything she said was what I wanted to say, but also I wanted to add, um, at the end of that paragraph, it says, to duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. And when I hear that, you know, I'm reminded that this, I'm nobody special. This is for anybody, anyone who, who has the willingness who has the patience and is willing to put in that hard, painstaking work. It's a simple program, but it's not always easy. And it's available to each one of us. And that gives me so much joy to know that, that any one of us who really wants it can have it. And I just am looking forward to being able to guide and help support others through this program the way I have been so lovingly guided. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Robin Christie. Robin, go ahead. Hi, this is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered in Minnesota. I'm jittery and alone, and I couldn't do that. Of course, of course I'm jittery and alone. Of course you're jittery and alone. I mean, all I had to base my um, assumptions on when I came into this program was my history, which was that I tried over and over and over and over and over and over to make this work on my own, and it never worked because I was alone. And now I came into this program, and all I had was that experience to base my um you know, all I could do when I came in was follow directions, follow your lead. And um, it, it's just, it's it's an obvious thing that I am going to feel jittery and alone when I come in based on what my experience has been. And that's where the leap of faith is in what we do. It, you know, when, when you listen, when you get on this phone line and you find out that there are 164 people sitting on this line and there's a phone list with 500 people on it, we are not alone. There are people listening, talking on this phone line that are recovered. 
that have used this program of recovery to um, not only put down the food, but to live happy, healthy lives and to find a uh, to find a to have a spiritual awakening, to live a life that is God-led instead of self-led. And I, I think that that's one of the things that is so important um, for me to keep having the faith in the process, even though in the moment I might feel jittery and alone because I'm going through something tough in this day, or I might feel jittery and alone because I just walked in and I don't know if you guys are going to keep me from, you know, being dropped on my head. But we are all here to let you know that indeed we hold each other up. We're um, a community of people that pass the word on to each other that this program works if you trust the process, that there is a power higher than me, which is God, and my higher power will not let me fall on my head. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Melanie. Melanie, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Christy. This is Melanie, recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon, and I like reading this idea because when I came into recovery, there were several different methods in which to, um, or at least was explained to me in how to achieve abstinence and a recovered state of mind and that sort of thing, and, and many of which didn't work until I have the method that I have now, which is to duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished here, you know, what's going on here. And I love to be able to think about that. That word duplicate means to, it's a copy of the original. It's exactly the original. And as I get to study more as a student here in the big book and, and practice with all of this that Robin was talking about, the, the, the passion of this particular um, membership I get to have, and that is just gleaming. So what I think what's happening here is uh, these folks are giving this reassurance to this person. Okay, you're going out on your own. Oh, what am I going to do? I don't even know how to teach the big book. You know, I've studied this together, and, and where do I start? You know, to be able to teach somebody else, we're going to give you this assurance that you have if you just duplicate it, just duplicate it the way you were taught, and then know this backing with passion and enthusiasm is all behind you. What it's going to require, what we found, is going to be willingness and patience because we come in here looking pretty pretty rough and talking pretty rough, you know, with patience. And then labor, clearly clearly this labor. But the transition for me is that all those words have been a delight and a joy and a freedom like I've never known and have given me that, that, that backing, that confidence, I guess, not a lot in confidence, but it feels like confidence, you know, just by hearing these words. The idea of simply duplicating it, studying it as a student, that anything that I use coming straight out of the big book would not at all ever make me waver. And I've been given that information. With that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Leah. Leah, go ahead. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We know what you are thinking. You're saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that, but you can. You forget that you have just tapped a source of power much 
greater than yourself. Uh, you know, and that is the purpose, the whole purpose of this book is to uh, allow us, each one of us, to experience this spiritual awakening, otherwise known as a psychic change or a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, to establish this relationship, this connectedness uh, with something that is immeasurable and indestructible. And, you know, the big book talks about it being an unsuspected inner resource. I mean, my basic flaw, and the big book teaches us that our basic flaw had been faulty dependence, faulty dependence on things outside of ourselves, such as food substances or people or circumstances to supply us with a feeling of security or to feel, you know, to supply us with a feeling of well-being and stability and happiness, and fulfillment, and on and on. And what the big book teaches us is that when I fail to get those things according to my wishes and my demands and my specifications, uh, that led me to fight everything and everybody. It was complete self-will run riot. But again, the statement says you forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. You know, the big book gets me in touch with that and reminds me that my real dependence, trust, reliance has to be in God because in my pursuit for what I thought I needed, I almost killed myself. But you forget that you have just tapped, now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself to duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. This book was penned by those who are now ex-problem drinkers, people who came together with collective voice, experience, and wisdom to say that this quality of consciousness is now the most important fact in their life. And that this willingness, patience, and labor... Yes, it is physical and mental exertion to recover and then to carry a message and then to grow groups in your own town and to perhaps establish phone meetings. It takes physical and mental exertion, but it's a good reminder that the disease uh, took tremendous physical and mental exertion. It was completely inconvenient and it was completely exhausting. So the fact that I need to implement uh, these steps and, and do that with willingness, patience, and labor um, is an opportunity for gratitude that at least, you know, we progress in recovery. For me, both compulsive overeating and recovery have been progressive conditions. Compulsive overeating was progressively downward and recovery progressively upward, upward, outward. Look what it does. Look what program does. It brings together 180 people on the line. It brings together a membership of 500 people. That's the message. It's not about a personality. It is about a message that, yes, indeed, it's possible to recover, to have that obsession of the mind expelled, and to live happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. What we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. Willingness, you know, that's not a one-person. That, it is a one-person job. <laughs> 
willingness, a one-person job, patience. Now, this is not a matter, uh, it's not an overnight matter here. This is one day at a time for the rest of our lives. And labor, labor, work, action, taking actions. You know, we can, we can spend our time trying to understand, trying to decipher, trying to pick it apart, trying to put it all back into some order that makes sense to us. And all we're doing is spinning our wheels when we do that. We, these recovered people, this big book has a solution. They've got a method here that works. It's worked for 75 years. They haven't had to change it. And it's called taking actions and working the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? I'll take that as a no, and let's move on. Judy B., would you please read? Um, Judy, why don't you read the next uh, two paragraphs? Certainly. Good morning. This is Judy B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. We know of an AA member who was living in a large community. He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. This was only a few days ago at this writing, 1939. The authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So he inquired, What did our friend have on the ball? Our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. This is, these paragraphs are telling us how, how AA grew in the beginning, that um, there were recovered people in, uh, in communities, and they contacted and made uh, um, arrangements with medical people who were able to make a difference. They were able to influence other people. They were able to... Um, make arrangements at some of the institutions so that people could hear about, hear about the program of AA. And uh, this just uh, makes me think about how um, our own program could do this too for, for compulsive overeaters. I mean, we now, we now need to reach people who don't know about our program and um, as long as people have the idea that people come into OA and they don't recover, they don't find uh, a solution, you know, we're not, we're not going to influence the medical community in that way. So it, it behooves us, it behooves us to, uh, you know, just to 
to make sure that this program continues and that people do recover and that we can let everyone know, you know, what a, how it works, that there is a solution. You know, people um, don't have the perception that this, this is the, the way to overcome uh, this obesity problem. And those of us who have overcome this problem uh, with this program know that this is a workable solution. And it, it behooves us to let others see this. And as more and more people uh, work this program the way it's intended to be worked, as more and more people recover, hopefully the community will see that and and the perception will change. And and that is just what I what I pray for, for um you know, for all of us. And and the community now is so different than it was then. I mean, we have a large community because we, we can reach each other by phone, by technology. I mean, there's no reason that this word uh, cannot get out and, uh, and be there for the people that need it. Um, it, it, won't be, it won't be effective for everybody that needs it, but it will be effective for those who really want it and who are willing to put in the work. And, and I feel like my job is to is to make sure that this message gets out there. Um, I worked with a, a sponsee who had um, gone through the surgery before she'd ever heard of OA. Now, it worked for her because she found program after that, and she was able to change her way of life. And, uh, and she always wanted to spread this, this message uh, to everyone because she really, you know, knows that she would not have done what she had done if she had known of this program before that. And so it just it fills my heart with wanting, wanting to reach out and to let everyone know that we have a workable method here and uh, everyone deserves to know about it. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? I would like to share... Who is this? Steve Florida. Ah, oh, go ahead, please. Yes, uh, back then the doctor at the hospital was open to some way to help because what he was doing apparently was not working. And it was as hopeless then as it is now with diet plans, at least personally. I have tried diet plans and fasting and balancing and combination foods, and I hear a Lots of people there, they used, they lost and they gained, they lost and they gained. Because until this program was congealed into this discovery or whatever, uh, it, was, it was hopeless. It was not treated. They were not getting to the cause of the problem, which was a spiritual problem between the ears. And so as hopeless as the other solutions were, outside in, it's hopeless today, outside in, food plans. But this is an inside-out job, and I'm so grateful to uh, have found it and grateful for these doctors and discoverers back then to put it together because it is an inside-out job, a spiritual problem, and I pass. Thank you, Steve. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. 
He found that this, this place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. And let's just put in context when this was happening. When, when someone was thought to be alcoholic back in the 30s, they simply put them in the institutions. They simply threw them away. They were hopeless. Nothing we can do. We're going to put them in the institutions with the schizophrenics and the psychotic people because we don't know what to do with them. And there was no AA. There was no place to refer these people to. So when these members were going out into new communities, they were having to search out alcoholics because there was no, there was no meeting they could go to to spread this message. And we are so blessed today. We are so blessed that we have that. I mean, my local intergroup um, last month at our intergroup meetings said that we had over 2,700 hits to our website. 2,700 hits to our little local website. So there's people searching out the solution. But we as, as compulsive overeaters, we have to, our, our duty is to make sure there's a solution to be found when people come looking. You know, because, because we need to get our meetings healthy enough that when the newcomer comes in, they're going to be like, oh my God, oh my God, there is a solution to this. There's, there's not a temporary respite, there is a solution. You know, and I remember years ago when I was wanting to start dating again and someone told me, well, you've got to put yourself in a target-rich environment. Go hang out at the Home Depot if you want to meet a man. Don't go hang out in the local craft store. We have a lot of target-rich environments. We don't need to go out to the local fast food restaurant and pull someone out of line. We can go into our local meetings. But when we go into those local meetings, we have to make sure that we have a message that is worth them looking for. You know, so the first thing we have to do is we have to recover. The second thing we have to do is we have to recover. And the third thing we have to do is we have to recover. Because one, one of those last lines, the doctor proves to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. Workable. That doesn't mean we gain and lose 80 pounds every six months as we try the latest diet, which was my, my experience. It wasn't that, okay, well, the workable method isn't that maybe I can get abstinent for six months and then I'm going to pick up because the food is so different than the alcohol. I have to eat every day. So I can't be recovered in, in Overeaters Anonymous. It's different. Well, I'm here to tell you it is not any different. Alcoholics drink. They just don't drink alcohol. I eat. I do not eat those foods which trigger the allergy in me. And I walk through these steps. I had a spiritual awakening. And thank you, God, because of the steps and OA and my higher power, today the miracle is I don't have to eat. Today the miracle is I don't want to eat. So how can we do this? And I just want to read from page 102, um, the second to last paragraph. So once we recover, what is our job? Our job is now to be at the place where we may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid places on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of light and these, these motives, and God will keep you unharmed. Now, I don't think Bill knew how prophetic he was because sometimes the most sordid places on earth are some of our away meetings. But that is our gift. That is our joy. That is our pleasure. When we get this message to carry, we have the ability now to go into that target-rich environment of an OA meeting and let people know that there is a workable method. There is a solution to this seemingly hopeless state of mind. Because with God, I have become recovered and I have been given the power to help others. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Well, I'll go ahead and jump in. This is uh, Christy, again, of course, a com recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and certainly grateful for that today. You know, I, uh, I love these two paragraphs because it just reminds me of, you know, where we gained some, where we in the 12-step program of recovery gained a little bit of credibility. You know, we had um, the medical and psychiatric communities supporting our program. And um, that really, I mean, at the risk, of, you know, for Dr. Silkworth especially to come out and say, you know, I've been working with alcoholics for years and I'm at a loss. I'm completely stumped with what to do and then be told that perhaps there was another way that had nothing to do with medicine. Um, you know, it, I mean, it's just astounding to me that we had, you know, this was like the perfect storm back in, the early, the mid, mid to late 30s that, um, again, just took this program of recovery to the next level. And, um, you know, it reminds me of my own experience. Um, you know, I spent years not going to the doctor because what they were going to do is they were going to tell me I was morbidly obese, and I already, unfortunately, knew that. You know, no matter what I went in there for, I had in my mind that's what they were going to tell me. You know, I had an upper respiratory infection. Christy, you're morbidly obese. If you lost weight, you wouldn't have one. You know, that stopped me from going to see a doctor ever. And when I first got into recovery, that was part of my recovery. You know, I went to see the doctor. What are my numbers? I had no idea what my cholesterol was, blood pressure, none of that, because I was not going to darken the doors of a doctor's office. And, you know, um, year after year going to see a doctor and I mean I was 170 pounds overweight and it's not that often um, at least according to my my doctor who who has patients who keep that weight off year after year and um, you know I remember one particular visit where my doctor said you know I've got patients who have had one form of bariatric surgery or another, you know, one patient in particular weighed 400 pounds, she'd gotten down to 250 and stopped. You know, she could not lose any more weight. And she just said, you know, it's heartbreaking to see this happen. You know, tell me again what you're doing. And, you know, I mean, I just say I work a 12-step program. I work a 12-step program. And we have, we who work a 12-step program have some credibility today. Now, it doesn't mean that every single alcoholic, drug addict, compulsive overeater, spender, gambler has been able to abstain, but I want people to know that it is possible. It is possible. It, it's possible because it happened for me, and I was completely desperate and bewildered and hopeless. I was hopeless, hopeless, hopeless when I came in, and I was taught to, you know, lift my head out of the bag of food and put my head, place my head in the big book. You know, I got a food plan that did not have any of my binge foods on it. Um, it was, you know you know, blessed, so to speak, by my doctor. And I don't go out of the boundaries of that food plan. I don't make it up as I go. That doesn't work for me. I tried that. It did not work. 
And day in, day out, one day at a time since September 9th of 2001, I've not found it necessary. Not one meal, not one meal have I gone outside of the confines of that food plan. You know, that saves me. I take exactly what's prescribed for me every single day, and I don't make it up as I go. And, you know, I am, you know, my doctor has my phone number. <laughs> I have said, please give this to anybody. Please give this to anybody. Um, and I would be happy to tell them what I do. Please let them know what is available. And uh, I'm just so grateful that, you know, I have a program, a message to carry because it was carried to me. And with that, I will pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on these two paragraphs? Well, why don't we move to the next paragraph? Michelle, if you could please begin reading. Good morning, this is Michelle, a recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. Uh, still, you, still you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And the asterisk refers to the bottom of the page. Alcoholics Anonymous will be glad to hear from you. And then the address is given. And um, this is a real powerful paragraph for me. Um, I remember when I was um, now, you know, recovered, I'd worked through the 12 steps, and my sponsor said, you know, Michelle, um, you know, it is time for you to carry the message. And um, I remember feeling some some trepidation about it, um, but was reminded, you know, it's out of gratitude that, you know, I carry this message. I am, I now have a responsibility. And um, I was always reminded that my reliance and dependence is on God in everything. And, um, you know, before when I came in program, you know, my problem was that I had leaned on human resources and, you know, relying on self uh, didn't work. And, um, you know, I, I, I remembered, you know, what was said after the bedevilments, you know, on page 52, it says, um, you know, we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe. We had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. And that was the message that was carried to me. And, uh, you know, at times I, I, can, I can doubt the power of God. And I'm reminded here that, you know, I had the miracle. Um, I never thought that I would, you know, um, be able to give up my dependence on food, my reliance on food. Um, but in carrying, you know, someone carried the message to me and, you know, showed me how to work through these steps. And that miracle that I thought would never happen with, you know, the mental obsession being relieved of food, that miracle happened. And it happened because I relied on a power greater than myself. And God did restore me to sanity, and I no longer turned to food. I turned to the solution, which is God, a power greater than myself. And so, you know, I'm reminded here, like I've been reminded many times by my sponsor, that remember that my real reliance is upon God about everything, anything that I might see as a, a problem in my life. And not that sponsoring other people is a problem, but, you know, where doubt may come, 
doubt may come about my own um, abilities, I need to remember that God's in charge. He's my director. He's my new employer. And, you know, I've heard someone say on the line that I, that God is very reliable. She shared that with me personally, and I've heard her say it, and I use that line often. God is very reliable whenever little doubts may pop up. And God's going to continue um, to provide that support. Why wouldn't he as long as I seek him? And so as I take step 12, you know, also my reliance is upon God for guidance and direction. And, you know, it is God and my higher power who has brought me in contact with my sponsor and with the sponsees um, that are now in my life. And through prayer and meditation, um, that's how I continue to um, seek God's guidance and ask him on a daily basis um, as I share this program of recovery with others. And um, when I rely on God, I'm not disappointed. It was when I was relying on others and myself, humans just like me. Um, and so I think this is a gentle reminder to me, um, you know, that I'm not going to have contact with you. I'm not going to be able to rely on you, um, the people who've written this book, to help me. Um, and then there's gentle reminder, you know, the solution is a power greater than myself. And so remember, Michelle, I remember all who are reading this book that um, my real reliance, I, I need to have absolute dependence on God. Um, my problem was my faulty dependence, my faulty dependence first on food and then on other people to take care of me. And um, because of this program, because what all of you have shared with me, especially on this meeting, on this phone meeting, A Vision for You, I now look to God and lean on Him and His wisdom, wisdom and His guidance. Um, life runs much more smoothly for me, um, and that means when I'm um, trying to carry this message to others, when I know the person and the power to rely upon. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, would anyone else, we're actually going to share on this paragraph, and then if we have time at today's meeting, we'll go back to the last paragraph on page 163. Would anyone like to share on this particular paragraph? This is Robin. Robin, go ahead. Katie. Robin and then Katie. This is Robin, still a recovered compulsive overeater in uh, sunny Minnesota. Um, this paragraph makes me think about personal responsibility. Um, God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. There's a difference between personal responsibility and self-will. Um, I remember I used to lie in my bed at night and pray and cry and pray and cry and pray and cry, and God didn't save me. God didn't just knock me on the head and make me abstinent. Um, it makes me think of the you know, the story about the, the guy who was in a flood and he was making his way to the top of the roof as the flood was growing higher and higher. And, um, you know, a priest, a rabbi, and a shaman each came by in a boat as he stood on the roof and prayed and prayed. And when he went to heaven, he said, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, well, I sent a priest, a rabbi, and a shaman. You just weren't listening. And, you know, this this is what makes me think of it, it, it. It's all about personal responsibility. I have spent so much of my life blaming other people for the fact that I couldn't get well because the rest of the world was making my, my world a hard place to live in. And, 
you know, this book, we've been given a book, we've been given a program of action, a way to find a spiritual um, awakening with a power greater than ourselves. It's all right here. And I can no longer use the excuse that you aren't coming to my front door and inviting me out into the world. It's all right here. But I have to take the action. I have to get off of my butt and put some of this to work. And, you know, all the people are sitting here willing to help, wanting to help. But until I actually say, I need your help, please help me. And I will do whatever you have done that saved your life. Um, So personal responsibility. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Katie, go ahead. This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Katie. Go ahead. Okay. Sometimes when I just mute my personal phone, then when I come back on, I'm not there. Okay. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Um, I have moved totally out of the state where I got um, recovery. I moved to Colorado after um, two years of, of abstinence and you know, I went to the local OA meetings there, and then uh, I remember my the anniversary, my three-year anniversary on October 7, 1990. I was by myself. No one knew it was my anniversary, and um, not that I wanted fame and glory, but I was alone. And I remember calling one of my friends back in um, Maryland, and she said, well, well, what about starting a meeting? because the local meeting wasn't at um, a time that I could get to on a regular basis because of the work I was doing. And and I started a meeting. And the people that I met in, um, you know, in those meetings, I am still in contact with today, 23 years later. And, you know, I... Um, I always cringe when I hear people say, well, I was absent, I had a really good program, and then I moved, you know, and then it all fell apart. And, you know, I think that um, on any given day, God is going to be there for me um, to just show me the the next right action. Some days it may just be picking up the phone and calling a newcomer you knew about, and other days it may be, uh, you know, going that extra length and starting a meeting. But it doesn't, our, our um, recovery is not based on our geographic location. Um, we, can, we can just stay in recovery no matter where we are. And my experience has been that, you know, when, uh, when the teacher is um, willing, the student arrives. And... You know, it, it's not about me saving the world, but it's about me continuing to stay in recovery and not just white-knuckling it, but happy. I am happy when I am talking to people who are, for the first time, getting bright-eyed and, uh, uh, you know, out of the grips of this disease. And I'm just so grateful to be able to be part of the miracle with that attack. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Debbie in Georgia. Leah. Debbie, was it? And then Debbie, is that who it is? And then Leah. Hi, this is Debbie, compulsive eater in Georgia. Um, 
that line, he will show you how to create the fellowship you crave, just really, really touches such a, a deep chord with me. Um, I pretty much spent my whole life not feeling connected to other people. Um, on the surface, everybody thought I was friendly and outgoing and you know, had, had a great personality, people would tell me. But that was a facade. I, I always struggled with you know, my body image and feelings of um, not being as, as good as others, just never feeling like I fit in anywhere. And when I came to OA, I, I was home. That, that, that introduction and the welcome to you just, I cried the first months I came to meetings because I, I just felt so, so overjoyed and filled to the brim and grateful for the hope and the love and the acceptance and the fellowship I felt in the meetings. Um, and the amazing thing is that um, not only is there that, that feeling I get when I'm at a meeting, but I've actually made friends real friendships, deep friendships, friendships based on a core understanding of who each other are and a core, a deep sharing of of our joys and our sorrows and our pain and our struggles and our and our experience and our, our hope and our strength, just all those things. And then to add another gift to it, I've my uh, my whole life i've also always wished that i had a spiritual connection and i felt envious of my my friends who <clears throat> whose families went to to churches that, and and had this real strong you know belief in god or a um a faith where they um had faith-based um um traditions um because my family didn't have that. And so I spent a lot of years and a lot of time seeking and searching in different directions for a spiritual connection. And lo and behold, um, in the last year, I've been in OA seven years now, and in the last year, I found it. It it, it came through the seeking. Um, my sponsor used to say, it's in the seeking, not the finding. And it, it, that's so true. As long as I am seeking, I am open. I'm open to whatever um, changes are are available to happen inside of me. And um, and I've found a spiritual connection and a spiritual community. And I just feel so full and so grateful, so filled, I should say, and grateful. Um, so I have a fellowship. A, a spiritual fellowship and a, a fellowship of friends more more than I ever dreamed possible. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Debbie. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, this paragraph has always meant a lot to me. Uh, still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write, who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. And then this line in particular, he will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Um, You know, obviously these pages were penned from real life experience 
um, of these more than 100 men and women who were thought to be hopeless, who were uh, thought to have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, that they rose up. Uh, you know, it was, um, it was miraculous that these men and women um, were restored to sanity. You know, they were restored to sanity. They were restored. They were brought to soundness of mind. They were relieved of that obsession to use. They were freed from the beast. Uh, they no longer had that voice uh, whispering in their ear, and they had a message to carry. And that message was that uh, the real reliance had to be on God, that that quality of consciousness was going to determine uh, the quality of their lives. And this same truth that we read, you know, is evident in my own life. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. January 1987 crawled my way with tombstones into my eyes into a locked-up facility, a lock-up, a lock-up with a plastic band around my wrist, and had someone had the privilege, had the opportunity, and had the mercy to sit across the table from someone who had recovered through these very pages, and he took the time and he led me, and he brought these pages to life for me. He brought these pages to life through me, to me through his own story, through his own story, through coming out of his own personal gutter and being brought to life. And it's these same steps, these same principles that blew fresh life into me. And I was a broken shell of a young woman. And then, you know, to leave that facility and, and to sit in other rooms that carried the message and then to find a way to carry a message to compulsive overeaters and to do that, to do that with this book as a, as, as a, a person in a, in a city in Maryland and then months later to have 120 compulsive overeaters in that room. And then in 2000, to move to Minnesota with a book in my hand and my experience and to share that bit of journey with other people, with other still suffering compulsive overeaters, what it's been about, where I've come from, what the grace of God is all about. That's what a meeting is all about. The only way you can carry this message of the big book is through meetings or through sponsorship one-on-one. -on -one. There's no other way a suffering compulsive overeater is going to receive our message. You know, that no human power could fix me, that no human power could show me uh, the way out of this bondage of self. And, no, and certainly I couldn't conquer the obsession of the mind on my own determination, motivation, self-will, or human aid. And to carry that message and to watch a fellowship grow up about, not because of any personal success or, or a desire for any personal recognition, this is about, this is getting charged up about what this program of recovery can do. This is not about excitement to talk or excitement about self. This is about what the grace of God can do when we cooperate with his grace when we cooperate with his grace. And then, of course, you know, in 2012, let's get on the phone, let's start talking big book, <laughs> and look what happens. You have a, a membership of over 500. 
We have a membership of over 500 people. That's what recovered people have to offer today. When we talk to newcomers, whether it's face-to-face, in a large meeting, in a small meeting, one-on-one or on the phone, we are living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our lives. And that spiritual awakening has changed us. And so now we have the capacity to live our lives as an expression of God's will. And part of that responsibility and obligation is carrying this message. That's what we have to, today, those of us who are covered. When we talk to newcomers, we're living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our lives. And whether the newcomer likes it or not is beside the point. We are living proof of it. Just like Ebby was proof to Bill, and Bill was proof to Dr. Bob, and Bill and Dr. Bob were proof to Bill D. That the secret of these 12 steps and the secret of these principles, which are spiritual in nature, is that indeed, yes, 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 it is possible to be able to effectuate such dramatic change in character and values and in a quality of life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sharon, would you please read that for us? Absolutely. This is Sharon, just a grateful, excited, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.